I don't know much about you. Yeah. Except that you were raised on a farm. That's why how I like to have my guests. I I want to discover people as the listeners are discovering them and be like, what? Oh, no. You said what? Yeah, I was like, I don't know exactly what you're going to want me to say. Oh, I want, so. all of, I want you to say all everything. Oh, don't no. even hide back. <laughs> so, I mean, the idea is like, I feel like so many people uh, feel alone, isolated, mm-hmm. Uh, like what they they're the only ones who are going through what they're going through nobody else has a similar story right. um or they um just don't know how to recover from whatever setback whatever whatever and so when we share our stories mm-hmm. right it's just it's not the stats that change people you know 33 people you know, blah, 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 15%. Like, stats don't move people. It doesn't change people. Stories do. Yeah, it's relating. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that's why NPR, you know, I love NPR because they, they'll they talk about the immigration crisis through, like, the lens of one little girl mm-hmm. who tried to cross the board, you know, like, yeah. and what her story was. So I, I'm, I'm very much fascinated by your story of, First, you lived on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> Can we, we have to start there. They just cut the AC on. Can we have them cut the AC? Thank you. So we have to pause. All right, so they're going to cut off the AC, but you're going to hear a little uh, for a second. But um, all right, so tell us your full name uh, or whatever, <laughs> whatever part of your name you want to share. Uh, so my name is Marcia. A lot of people just call me M. M. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then do you just sign things with an M? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Because <laughs> I sign my name, you know, my full name, and I and and if I tell you this, do not call me this. <laughs> but I'm I'm just sharing this. Uh, my first name is Leonard, mm-hmm. and when I tell people that, they always are like, is it Leonard or Leonard, or you know, like I'm like I just told you how it sounds. So, but I sign my name LD mm-hmm. instead of like writing the whole thing out. Yeah. Uh, or LF. So I like the whole, like, M thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, keep it short. I ain't got all time to be, all day to be signed. Like, like when I go to grocery stores and I see people, like, uh, uh, you know, like when you pay with a credit card and you have to sign your name, and people actually take the time to spell out every letter in their name. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just do a slash and hit. Do okay. smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Have a little fun. Like, this is not going to be archived somewhere. This is not how the hackers get in. So I'm here with M. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, where are you from? Uh, originally Galveston. Galveston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now. Texas girl. You, are you mixed? I can't, what's yes, going on here? Yes, I am half black and I'm half white. How did, how was that growing up in Galveston, Texas? Well, so I didn't grow up in Galveston, oh, Texas. I was there. put up for adoption when I was three. Okay. Well, into foster care and then adoption. Okay. Uh, and then we came to Tempe, Arizona, and I was raised in Tempe, Arizona, and Point Arena, California. Wow. So you were adopted at what age? Three? Uh, three, yes. Wow. That actually, like, statistically, that's pretty tough, right? Mostly yeah. babies get adopted. Mm-hmm. They call it a, a, they're hard to place adoptions, like troubled adoptions. You're, you're too old to be placed now. How old is too old? Uh, I think it is about two is too old. What? Yes. <laughs> I've never been to an adoption mm-hmm. agency or, or uh, foster place. 
Uh, orphanage. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Or, that's, that's or like foster care, yeah. Okay. I'd imagine that it's mostly babies, right? Or is it mostly no? No. No. Uh, when you're looking at like adoption and, and foster care in the system, you're going to get uh, a lot of older kids. Really? Yeah. Because you have like babies that weren't adopted that are growing up in the system. And then you have uh, kids who have been taken away from their families. Oh. And yeah. Oh, my God. So you, you weren't. How long were you? How long did it take you to get placed? I actually was placed fairly quickly, which is unusual. Uh, my mother really wanted a daughter, so she was like, "Anyone, give give me a child." <laughs> and so they usually start with the hard to place. Which yeah, is they were like, "Oh, do you want a hard to place child?" And she was like, "Yes, give me a baby." <laughs> is that how they label it there? They say hard to place child they say as their older, as a marketing older okay. child. <laughs> I was like, that's how horrible. <laughs> <laughs> how old are you willing to take? Do you want a teenager? Could you take a toddler? <laughs> and then, I mean, as a, t and you probably don't know this because you got adopted at three, but um, the teenagers, I can't imagine. So, yeah, I, I have a story about that, but it's not my story. <laughs> Please share. We do, we'll leave out the names. We'll stick with initials. That's what we're doing today. My mother's friend adopted a teenager. And at this point, uh, the older the kid, the harder it is to bond. Right. And uh, at that point, he'd been growing up in the system, and he couldn't bond with his new parents. And he just got into a bunch of trouble. He threatened them with violence, and he ended up running away. And it pretty much broke their hearts. They wanted to give this this teenager a home, but if you're in a troubled situation that long, which foster care is, it's not a great situation, then it's hard to, it can be hard to come back from that. doesn't mean it's not worth it to yeah. adopt a, a teenager, but sometimes it's not would you say it's not a great situation and because and I, I i'm asking questions about this because i'm 43 i don't have kids mm -hmm. but I, I would consider adopting mm -hmm. because i'm just like i don't need to see I would, my ego wants a bunch of leos running around <laughs> and, or leoettes you know i'll, I'll you know like I, i'd love that but then it's like Everybody's walking around talking about adopt, don't shop with pets. Yeah. But it's like, but yet we have, I don't know how many kids are in the foster care system. Um, and a lot. And it, a lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot, right? Because yeah. uh, if you think about, I'm thinking like if the incarceration rate, as that goes up, mm -hmm. then the homes are being torn apart. Right. And that, and that increases the risk of the kid getting in trouble or being placed in foster care. Yeah, and bias against single parents and bias against uh, impoverished parents. All of it is intertwined. Oh. Um, but let's get back to your story where you're three, you get adopted. Are mm -hmm. your parents uh, mixed? Are they, what are they? No, they are both white. Both white. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, not to say that black parents would be fantastic, but, you know. It was uh, a, yeah, it was an interesting experience growing so? up. Uh, because there is, a, and, and I've read articles on it, too, but there's a, a certain distance that you get from your community mm -hmm. that if, if you're mixed, you already have a certain amount of distance because you're kind of 
you're a little strange or considered strange. People want to strange. touch your hair. I, how <laughs> many people have touched your hair oh. in 2019 already? Oh, no. A lot. Who do I? Who's? <laughs> <laughs> it's a magnet. They can't it help is, themselves. They got to touch it. Well, you know, and it's ca- It's like peacocking. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, going extra, too, because yeah, I'm putting the blue, blue in there. Yeah, you just yeah. asking for it, <laughs> oh, you know? You just like, hey, come, come come, touch some of this. But permission, you got to yeah. get consent. Just let me be touching people. I want them to ask me first, but at the very least, I had a, I had one woman uh, come up, and she pulled on it, and I was like, we're, we're not. We don't know each other come like that. On. <laughs> right. Like, uh, that's, a, that's a level too the, far. <laughs> I, now, if you were ever, if you were pregnant and had to, uh, people would be uh, rubbing your belly. It'll be this whole thing where they're like they're rubbing the belly and patting the head. Well, when I was pregnant, I used to, I used to straighten my hair. Oh. So, I didn't get it when I straightened my hair, but I did get the the belly thing. Oh. Although I have a very intimidating look when I want to, so uh-huh. sometimes people would be like, oh. Uh, a level right. of intensity better not go over there. <laughs> That's dangerous. She might bite my hand off. You have a you have a you have a child. I have two children. Two children. How old are they? Uh, they are turning eight and nine. Wow. They so they have a birthday coming. Big up. Big girls. Yeah. Wow. August and September. Is that their names or is that when they're no. turning? Because <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You know, it's 2019. <laughs> People naming their babies all types of stuff. This is River, and that is Am- Amethyst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, I, they, those kids could grow up to be artists, and those names will be perfect. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're obviously not going to put the names of her children out there. Like, no. parents, it kills me when I see parents <laughs> just blasting their children, names, all that, uh, social media. Yeah. But so you have two kids, mm-hmm. married. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, So I'm on my second marriage, and uh, it has been a six-year-long polyamorous relationship, but we don't think of marriage like other people think of marriage. So when someone is like, are you married? I'm like, oh, do I say yes or do I explain the weirdness? (laughs) Okay. Was there paperwork and was there a legal document? Yes. Okay. You signed the paperwork. You married it. I'll say the government thinks we're married. Got you. That's all right. (laughs) If you were sick, would he be able to come in and make life decisions for you? That kind of thing. Yes, but before that, we had a civil union, mm. so he could have done it anyway. Now, what's the difference between a marriage and a civil? Uh, a civil union has less benefits, but still some. Now, is that where you're just living together so long, or it is like, all right, you guys are married? Uh, like, you splitting bills or what? I think it's called a domestic marriage. Or gotcha. or co- no, com- sorry, common law. Common law marriage. Gotcha. Well, and how long does that take? Seven? Uh, it takes quite a few years. Okay. Uh, and it's not it's not acknowledged in every state. And I'm not sure if it's acknowledged in Arizona. It is, I think, acknowledged in Texas, though. Mm-hmm. You have to be living together for quite a while and uh, and sharing, like, accounts. And gotcha. then you can be like, we're in a common law marriage. But uh, I, I'm not sure that that's a thing here. But we started to do the, we did the civil union where you just, you know, it's cheaper. Yeah. And we filled out paperwork. And it was like, hey, now if I'm really, really sick, you can come be in the hospital with me. Because neither one of us really has family out here. Uh, and he, he's from Germany. So wow. his family is over there. Um, so Wait, so how old are you? 
30. 30. Wow. So second marriage. Yes. 30. Yes. Are you on a Kim Kardashian route? I love it. We're just working <laughs> our way through. Which, you know, here's my thing. Is I actually think that people who who've been married multiple times, it's better mm-hmm. because you're you're gaining experience. It's like if you had four different jobs, it's like oh you got you get you learning you're learning something from every job. Yeah, like you become more valuable. I would say that I learned a lot from my first marriage, but I was also 18, so you just however much you can learn when you're that age. Right. I learned it. <laughs> Would you like what? Give me one thing that you were like, oh, that was valuable. I'm going to take that with me. Put that in a little fanny pack. It doesn't hurt to really get to know the person you're with. We started dating when we were 16. We got engaged when we were 17 in the middle of a big emotional crisis. And then we got, I, like, we got married at 18 and got divorced at 25. And that makes sense. There's too many hormones when you're yeah. in your teens. You don't know what you're thinking. You're all amygdala. Oh, yeah. I was like, if, if I can't have you, I will yeah. die. <laughs> the world is so black and white. It's all or nothing. Yeah. There's no gray area yeah, before you're 25. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my family was horrified. They were like, you can't, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> we didn't adopt you so that you could marry him. Right, right. <laughs> well, and the, and the first question was, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Uh, which is, was a fair question in my situation because my brother had gotten a girl pregnant and then immediately gotten married to her. Gotcha. So they were like, uh, did you not learn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is too much on us in our bank accounts. We can't. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I was like, I'm not pregnant. And they were like, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But they did it. They held my hand. They walked through it. They were like, we'll deal with this. Mm -hmm. It's fine. We had kids several years later. And they were like, oh, we love the grandchildren. Okay. This this is good. This part we like. Yeah, because they're still, your your parents, I assume, are still very young. They're young enough to be engaged. Oh, they're old. They're older. Oh. Yeah. Like like 80s, 90s? They got. So my dad is in his. 70s and my mom is in her very early 60s okay all right 60s is all right she's still functional bio parents are just hitting like 50s have you met your bio parents just my biological dad what was that like uh it was good he was uh it was weird but he's like he's real friendly we talk on facebook sometimes But so n- still not a close, isn't no. like there's a, like, oh, it's like this is. No, uh, I think as far as like, I think, I think a lot of uh, credit needs to go to nurture, like who you're with is usually who you bond with. Right. Uh, and he's, I like him very much. I think he's a nice like. person. Wow. Yes. That's something that like if. <laughs> Like if I like if, if I was on a date with a girl and I was like, hey, are we stepping this up? She's like, I like you very much. I like much. you so much. You're a nice person. I'd be like, oh my God. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has to be like my feelings. Oh, that's hilarious. It, it's like a it's like the feeling of like a and I'm sure he has more feelings because it's like I gave you were my child, and I gave you up, and I'm like... And you look like me. And you look like me. Yeah, I do. I look right. like both of them. It's weird. Because <laughs> I don't 
I don't know them very well. Right. Uh, but it's like a like a really distant cousin or aunt. You're like, I know your family, but see you at the funeral of the next relative yeah. that passes. I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to put you in the social media realm. Yeah. Facebook, hit me up. See you on Facebook. Thanks for liking the weird stuff I post. <laughs> and do they say Sorry. why they <laughs> put you up for adoption? Oh, that's a lot of drama that I don't really, I don't know the, I don't know the full or true story. I can't. Got you. There's a lot of arguing there. Okay. (laughs) Um, And the reason why I was asking that question is because there's so many people who've been put up for adoption and they feel like it comes down to like the parents didn't want them. Like they were Mm -hmm. discarded. They were trash. And there's so many reasons why a parent would do that, uh, uh, and so one of those is out of love. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, the parent wasn't in a position to, they didn't feel like they could really care for the, the kid, their child the way they thought that the child needed to be cared for and thought that, you know, putting them up for adoption was, a, was providing them with mm-hmm. the opportunity for a better family. So I didn't know if there was some, you know. Putting or aside all of the... Uh, contrary information I've gotten. I think they were just young. They were young. They weren't together. Life was crazy. They had babies with other people. They just didn't know. They didn't know what they were doing. They were like 20. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's very true. I mean, you know, physiologically, like, we're pretty much uh, amygdala, fight, flight, or freeze. That part of our brain is governing us. Until about 25, that's when the prefrontal cortex kicks in. That's when our logical brain kicks in. That's why you have kids who go off to the military and and uh, and they're just like gun ho about it. And yeah. um, and why, if you look at a lot of the crime, it's committed by young kids because they have a lot of energy, but not a lot of um, in. Not, I mean. Uh, they don't have their wits about them. Right. You know, so that's a dangerous concoction of, like, a lot of energy, not too smart, not all mostly reactionary. Yeah. And, uh, or, like, really hyper, and I, I don't know what to do. And I'm Right. Yeah. This seems like a great idea. Nobody told me not to do it except for my parents, and what do they know? And your emotions <laughs> are so intense. That's yeah. why I say you, you never forget your first love because yeah. there's all they got all your endorphins, all your dopamine, all mm. your serotonin. And you, you just that that never goes away. It could be twenty years if you haven't seen them, and then you see her, and you're like, "Yeah, ah, it's still there." I remember all of this. All yeah. of it. I can it's clearly right. remember yeah. my first love, which was I, I was fourteen, mm. and I was like, "I will die <laughs> if I don't get to be with you." And he lived in Mexico, so that wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> But in your head, you're like, we'll find a way. We'll Just Romeo find a and way. Yeah. yeah, and we were together for like two summers, and that's a long time for 14 and 15. That and is a long 17 time. 17 and 18. Yeah. <laughs> the, so you're married now. How long have you been married? Uh, not that long. Uh, so my current partner, I've been with him six years, and we just had the actual ceremony last year. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> And yeah, I don't know. He's a really good guy. When I met him, I was like, I will never marry anyone ever (laughs) again. And then he stuck around for like five years and he was like, oh no, like I want all the same things that you want. And I was like, cool. 
maybe let's give it a shot. <laughs> I love it. Right. It's to see what happens. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. We can't con- everybody's like tied into these algorithms. And do, do you meet on an app or how do you meet? Oh, it's it's weird. Uh, my one of my exes mm-hmm. uh, was introducing his girlfriend, who is he's married to now, uh, to all of his friends. It was like the merging of friends mm. to do a game night mm-hmm. at a Irish pub, and this guy just walked in, and he like kept looking at me, mm-hmm. and I got up to like use the restroom, and I just washed my hands and came back and. He was like, that was quick. And I was like, you're fucking weird. (laughs) And then I added him on Facebook. And (laughs) we talked every, for six years, we've talked every day since I added him to Facebook. Yeah. And I think we just talked for a month before we even really slept together. (laughs) The, that, when people talk about, you know, everybody lists all these things that they want Mm -hmm. in someone and a partner. I just want someone I yeah. enjoy talking to. Right. Because at the end of the day, that is what's important. When the bills can't get paid, when the kids are driving you right. nuts, do I still want to talk to you? Mm-hmm. And I was 24 and separated, mm-hmm. and my ex had a girlfriend, mm-hmm. and we were finally starting to get cool. And I was like, you're great at conversations. You're hot. I want to bang you. Let's go. Right. <laughs> he right. was like 29, <laughs> and he was like, okay, calm down. <laughs> so it's despi- describe polyamory, because now that's a new word that's really yeah. getting thrown out there, as if it's new, but it's it really uh, is not. It's had a rebirth into uh, modern society. Yeah. Uh, it was, I don't know if we would have called it polyamory back before, but it's as, it's as old as monogamy. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of the times I just refer to it as non-monogamy because it's just the big umbrella word. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's a uh, so it can be a lot of things for different people. Uh, there's a lot of models for it. There's a lot of different types of relationships. But at the end of the day, I would say that it's what sets it apart from just being open or from like say swinging is that you're trying to focus more on I'm creating a relationship with you and the relationship might not be sexual. The relationship could just be romantic or the relationship could be romantic and sexual, but it's we're finding a way to connect ourselves to multiple people and really get down to just our hearts. But, like, sex is in there for a lot of people. But it's mainly the belief that, like, some of us are non-monogamous. And, like, when it comes to romance, and we should be allowed to express that with other consenting people as long as we're being honest about it and not cheating them out of the kind of relationship that they want. Right, because I I think that um, a lot of people... I think more people than uh, we know would prefer a polyamorous relationship. I would hope so. Than, than cheating. <laughs> right, than cheating. But w- what I found is, especially like when I talk to my boys who are either married or in relationships, but they cheat. Mm. And I'm like, why don't you just ask her if she wants to see other people too? Right. And what I find is, is usually come down to ego. Mm-hmm. We're like... He's like, well, look, I want to hook up with other chicks, but I don't want her to hook up with other dudes. It. Yeah. The one penis so policy. is that 
you know, to me, that's like a, a possessive uh, control. I don't know, yeah. controlling kind of thing versus more a love thing. Because if you love something or someone, you are willing to let it go, and it'll come back to you. If it's right, that kind of feeds into uh, there is this. Uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a millennial right now. There's a meme on Facebook that's like love someone in a way where they feel free. And I think you can apply that to monogamy and non-monogamy. You can't have, you can't be in a relationship with someone and be like, hey, you can't have these things. And it, it, it doesn't work. It breeds uh, contempt and bitterness. Like, I can have these things, but you can't have this. <laughs> That's why diets yeah. don't work. Or right. my fitness pal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Um, but it's true. Like when you try to restrict yourself, as soon as you say you can't have something, right. that's all you, you start to think about is yeah. It's like, why can't I have it? I mean, well, I don't even want it, but I just want to know that if I wanted it, I could have yeah. it. Yeah. Being told you can't have oh. something is like, if you're, so I do have friends that are like poly mono and like, uh, she doesn't want to date anyone else. She is, she's like, I'm monogamous and he is polyamorous and, he is like, you can if you want to. Right. He's like, everything that I have, I give that to you. Yes. And she, on the other side of that, is like, well, thank you. I don't want to. But also, I understand that this is who you are. And I'm cool with it. I, I'm allowing you to be that. And I'm doing the research. And you respect me, and I respect you. And I'm actually really like when I have talked to her about their relationship, because that's hard. It's hard because, you know, usually if you're monogamous, you want another monogamous person. If you're polyamorous, you want another polyamorous person. But it's, when I've talked to them, I think their relationship is so beautiful because they have worked to reach the understanding of who they are and what they need. Well, you know, to, to and I, I think maybe years ago, I would have thought the same thing of like uh, only two Poly monos or mm-hmm. two poly, but also, but then I think about like it, it's it's the mel- a relationship is the melding of two individuals, mm-hmm. and you have your needs and I have mine. Is like right. you might be vegan and I might be like I like lamb meat, you yeah. know that kind of thing. And I'm not gonna sit there with like a salad and be like <laughs> you can't have your steak. Right, you have to eat the salad with me. And it doesn't mean that we can't be in a relationship with mm-hmm. each other. I, I think that's part of what. Uh, enriches a relationship right. is that you're with someone who has different experiences than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as long as you're keeping the line of communication open right. because she could at some point become uncomfortable with it right. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe he beca- he changes his mind and be like, you know, I want to be polymono and I want us to yeah. be. And so I think that a lot of people, I think what prevents a lot of people from having those types of conversations is that they are afraid it locks them in forever. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because nobody wants to come off wishy-washy. Right. It was like, well, yeah. just, just year, last year you were like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we're supposed to change, evolve, and grow as we're taking in right. more information. Our relationships need to be flexible. Yes. They need to be able to grow with us. With my partner, uh, we've always stated, he, he's always been the type of person where he's like oh well if you don't like being married at some point we don't have to break up we could get legally divorced and then you know he's like or if you don't like living together let's live in separate like we could I could move out or you could move out and then we could just still be together and he's like what matters at the end of the day 
is that we both love each other and we still want to try and we can make it work if those two things are in place. Wow. That's a powerful statement. Yeah. I, if that was the end, if, the, if we had been talking for an hour, I would have ended the podcast right there. I'd have been like, <laughs> boom, <laughs> mic drop. Um, so can, can we, let's go back, mm -hmm. right? Because you uh, also have a history where you were a sex worker. Right. And are, are you still a sex worker? Uh, I would say no. Okay. But I am still very pro sex worker veteran sex worker have my toes dipped in and i'm like i'm this is still a part of my soul got you um so uh, let's define i want to put a pin in a polyamory for now because i want to come back mm. to it to explore more uh how you're defining that and then how other people play with that but uh to go into the sex work can we define what sex working is and and <laughs> so Sex working is like, uh, you want like examples of different types of sex workers, like across the spectrum? Or? Yeah, let's, let's, okay. let's go in because I have no idea. So when people think of sex work, I think they generally think of uh, like pretty woman, the girl <laughs> on the street asking if the guy wants to, you know, or like an escort or something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, and, and yeah, those are, those are in there, but it's also like, Porn stars, mm. uh, cam models, uh, adult cosplayers right. are sex workers. Right. Uh, they're the ones that do like the really hot little nerdy cosplays yeah. that are, I love them, follow them a lot. <laughs> uh, burlesque dancers, uh, strippers or exotic dancers, uh, again, escorts, uh, anyone who does like uh, any kind of domination. Uh, there's the submissive kittens that uh, are kittens for money. Uh, they are sex workers. I think sugar babies would also fall into what there. What is a sugar baby? A sugar baby is a person that is uh, younger and uh, is like essentially company for someone that's older and has money and offers them certain comforts for... Younger? Yeah. Like... Yeah. Like, if you're, you said you're, like, 40. 43. 43. Okay. If you wanted to hang out with a girl that was, like, 21 and you had a certain amount of money, you might be like, hey, I'll give you an allowance and I'll give you a condo and I'll give you a car and, you know, oh, you hang had, out with I've me. I've had sex kittens then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> sugar babies. Sugar babies. <laughs> Uh, no, not, not that I've given money to. Uh, if, if we're going by age difference, mm -hmm. then. It's essentially, you know, like a relationship for gotcha. for uh, agreed upon perks. Got you. Right. Oh, so it's like sugar daddy, but sugar baby. Oh, yeah. Okay. Got you. So when we talk about sex worker, we're not just talking about intercourse. It, it goes beyond. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing. Yeah. It's everything. So, yeah, because sex isn't just intercourse. Right. Right. What does sex entail in terms of how you... So when you're talking about being inside of the industry, it's not just... So it's not just performing an act for someone it's yeah. or on them, a service for them. You're, you're sitting there and you're talking to them and you're connecting to them and building an intimate relationship with them sometimes. And that makes them feel like very like comforted and trusted and like understood. A lot of sex work is just offering understanding 
I want to say like maybe 60% of it is that and then like 40% of it is like, woo, here's my body or touch me. <laughs> I've heard that a lot of men who cheat or see escorts or mm -hmm. sex workers, uh, it's because they just don't feel heard or listened to at right. home. And women. Right. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and women. And and so the, 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 the physical part of it mm -hmm. just happens, but it's not the initial intent. Right. It's like I just want someone to talk to, somebody who I could let my guard Sometimes down Sometimes it's almost the excuse. You're like, I'm coming to you because I want you to dominate me or I want you to have sex with me or I want to just see you. Like in the case of like a cam model, I want you to interact with me and I want to see your body and I want you, I want to ask for you to do things and you'll do them mm -hmm. if you're comfortable with it. Uh, and sometimes that's almost the excuse to just be like, hey, can you talk to me and understand me and not tell me, like, like not be put off by not, who not I am. Ju don't judge me. Yeah. Don't, right. Yeah, don't judge me. <laughs> That is so fat. I never thought about that. It's like, because, yeah, as a man, mm -hmm. it's like, for me to be like, yeah, I just, can we just talk? Yeah, can we just, can you just, can, can I just cry in front of you can right you now? Can you just hold me? You, and you not walk out or get mad at me? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And, like, I've had people pay me just because they could offer me music. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll listen to this music. And then I come back the next show, and I'm like, I listened to it. It was great. And they're like, thank you for listening to me and listening to this song and watching the anime I wanted you to watch. <laughs> like, it, they want wow. you to be their friend and just for that right, moment. Right. It's, you know, I, and I think I've mentioned this before in that we're all just like nine-year-olds, right, where it's, if someone said, like, if you looked at your partners if they're a nine-year-old, you would be more supportive, more empathetic, right. more understanding. Have you wouldn't crush patience. your dreams. You would have more patience. Because we're just these nine, you know, we're, we're all stuck at like a younger age emotionally for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And then we become, you know, adults and have bills and running around. But we're all just trying to protect this younger version right. of ourselves. And, uh, yeah. and so to say that, you know, people are coming to you mostly for understanding. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful statement. There are definitely some shows where I still got tipped, but I didn't I didn't take anything off. I just sat there. I talked to them for hours. Sometimes I got tipped just to like do stupid dances. <laughs> like like the like, like the, the Carlton? chicken or the sh uh, what the, the what? Carlton? The Carlton? <laughs> Somebody paid you to do the Carlton? Yeah. Is that like on your resume? I can do the Carlton or were you like did you, like, have to YouTube that real quick? Like, how did they <laughs> – it's such a random – It actually got to be, like, one of my – I think it was, like, my top three menu items was I'll do, like, the Carlton. I'll do it topless or I'll do it fully clothed. And they didn't care. They were, like, as long as you're doing it because it's hilarious. And they, they were, like, Fresh Prince is awesome. All right. Now I need <laughs> to know what the other two are. <laughs> uh, so there's something called – I call it a penis rant. A penis rant. R right. <laughs> and um, have you ever heard of, like, people wanting uh, to have their penises made fun of? No. Okay. Well, I would have people come in, and they would be like, 
do you like small penises? Do you want to talk, talk about how you hate small penises? And I would be like, ah. And I used to read, like, books about, like, sex facts and stuff and, like, uh, sex statistics. And I once read this thing about how, like, the average penis, it, it varies in different parts of the world, but the average penis was, like, maybe, like, five, six inches. And then I would, like, say stuff about that. I would, like, say those things. And I did it so many times that people started getting like a real kick out of it and being like do your penis rant and I was like okay and it's really just statistical facts about penis <laughs> this l- listen this is a one woman show <laughs> we got the vagina monologues we need the penis rant need the penis rant do you know rant. how much money oh, look my boy I'm in over here dying Cam is like <laughs> The ho- everybody's dying right now. <laughs> the penis rant is going to make so much money. You got the hair. You got, got the look. The you, got, you got the everything. It's been two years the, since hey, I've done the it, penis rant. Bring that back. I don't know if you should. You, YouTube clips, they probably, yeah. probably would get no ad money. So Someone that Someone told sense. me that I need to do a YouTube series where I'm putting one of my Instagram looks together, but I'm talking about sex facts while I'm doing it. I was like, maybe, I'll think about I, it. I, I, I'm gonna tell you, cause you, you have a very soothing voice. Oh, really? I'm sure you've been told that. <laughs> no, you never. Like a, like, it's like, it's, it's like sexy soothing, like sex, su- sex, se- Seth, it's I was trying to combine. Su-su sex, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's a cross between, uh, hey, I'll give you great advice, but also I'll take my top off. Yes, yeah. I'll also rant to your penis. Yeah. My work voice. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, on YouTube, that voice—if you had the acoustic—it would it would kill. Yeah. You heard of ASMR? No. You haven't heard of ASMR? No. So ASMR, these YouTube videos, where and they're getting like twenty million, fifty, like so uh, it's just sounds, and so like one sound would be of a woman just eating spaghetti. Oh. And it'll get like fifty million, and it's it's only that for an hour, or uh, someone flipping through a book. It's just the sound of her flipping through a book. It's like meditative. It's meditative. Like listening to rain. Yeah, it's like rain. Yeah. So it's just one. It's a particular. There's all different types of ASMRs from uh, tapping to f- uh, book flipping to. Uh, uh, but they're like very soft, mm-hmm. very, you know the. I would subscribe drinking. to this. Oh, <laughs> once, oh, w- I think this would encourage you to to go down the. the I, we've just changed your life. This Mine is could just be life. whispering the penis rant. <laughs> I, it, it, ASMR is so. I watched, <laughs> I watched like an hour, or just listened to, of just this woman eating uh, crab legs, and she's just. It just, and she was just eating. That was, she's not talking. She's just. Is that is that soothing though? Was for that like different sounds are soothing for different. You have to yeah. find it. They resonate of, with you differently. Uh, yeah, a yeah. lot of people find the the chewing slurping sound disgusting. Mm-hmm. But some people's like, oh, you can't slurp enough. You I know? wonder if there's one out there that's just like somebody writing on like recycled oh, paper or something. T- there's <laughs> a million sounds out there oh, that wow. people are oh yeah you're excited okay. now yeah, you're I'm like, gonna can we wrap <laughs> this up please so i can check it out i gotta um, get on my phone really quick <laughs> all 
All right, so hold on. We got to get to you, back to your, your three because the penis rant is already hilarious. And then right. you, you talked about the shark. So what is the other one? The third one. Okay. <laughs> I actually kind of feel like it almost encompasses like the wide range of needs mm -hmm. when people log on. Uh, but the third one is body oil. Body oil. <laughs> yeah, just lavender scented oil anywhere someone would want it. And because you look very shiny and they're like, ooh, that's nice. So that one is sexual. So are you putting it on them or you putting no, it on yourself? No, on me. I was a, I was a solo cam model uh, okay. and I would say amateur status. Uh, and so all of my shows were just me. Uh, how do you go pro when the cam model world? Is there you a belt? Get you have to fight another? <laughs> yeah, you have to, uh, <laughs> you have to punch out the top. Uh, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you get a certain amount of followers and you have a certain amount of content and you've been doing it for a certain amount of years, but I'd say followers, uh, is the most important and the amount of money that you make gotcha. is the most important thing. Okay. So in terms of your work as a, a sex worker, mm -hmm. uh, it involved dancing, mm -hmm. uh, body oil, mm -hmm. ranting. Masturbation. Masturbation. Mm -hmm. Self-masturbation? Yes. And then masturbating. And toys. The other person? No. No, no. touching. So no touching. You, so your sex, your realm of sex work never involved no. touching of the other person. It Which is why I'm like, you know, it's not, it's not always about actually having sex. Mm -hmm. It's about sometimes it's just about seeing and being heard and finding a place where you just feel safe and you're going to kick it there for like, I've had people stay in my room for like six hours. Just, I want to be around you. Hi. <laughs> you laughed at my stupid joke, <laughs> which I will laugh at. <laughs> like my partner is like, you make me feel like I'm the funniest guy <laughs> in the world and you set me up for failure because I go into the world and nobody laughs at my jokes. <laughs> Is there, so what, so many things. One is, it feels to me like it feels empowering to you. Right. There's a, there's a sense of empowerment. There's no touching. Right. There's space. So you're, you're in a, you feel like you're safe. You're in a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. What else are you feeling, uh, though during the entire process? Uh, I think every time I s would start a session, I would feel nervous. Uh, sometimes you feel bored. Uh, when it's really like when your room is busy, though, and your regulars are in there and they're talking to you because you want your regulars. Your regulars are cool. They, they know pay you. They paid a rent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they put your kids through college. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're talking to me and they're like, I don't know, they're feeling great because they're in there. I'm feeling great because I'm feeding off of their vibes. And, like, the communication is just going and going and going because if you don't have that happening, then your room is quiet. Nobody wants to be in there. That feels amazing for me. Right. It's not going to feel that way for everyone. Like, that's why it's so important that people understand that sex work is work. It's like sometimes you're in there and it's like oh this is so fucking boring and sometimes you're in there and you're like this is amazing i feel so accomplished i'm doing so many things i'm making money fuck yeah uh and then sometimes you know sometimes you're in there and you have a really really bad day uh, and you gotta perform yeah and you still 
you still got to perform or you're not going to get that money. But you, you can choose to log and off. And do you, when you have a, say if you've had a bad day or having a bad day, mm. do, you, do you mention that at all? You Cause can. Because it's a part of connecting and saying. You can. Right. Uh, for me personally, I like to, I, I liked to pull back on it. Uh, I might be like, oh, today sucked a little bit and give them the light things. But mostly I would keep it to myself. And, um, like, other people will uh, will put everything out there, and that works for them. But I never felt like that was something that worked for me because my presence was so giggly and happy all the time. Right. Uh, and I have found a way after that, because now I do, uh, like, a goth aesthetic and makeup and, like, cosplay on Instagram. I've found a way to uh, kind of show that side of me now. But when I was doing camming, I, I really didn't do it that much. I didn't want, uh, I was also a very private person. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like to put my feelings and my emotions out there for any kind of critique. So where do you put those feelings in the moment? Because I would imagine that is, like, you know, even for me doing stand-up and mm-hmm. I also personal train, you, like you said, you have to be really present. And, right. and it's not that their clients don't care about your day, but you're there to serve them. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, what's your outlet? What, what do you, I know you have two kids, but uh, what else are we? So for a while, I really didn't have one, which is not healthy. You need to have an outlet for your, your feelings and your, your emotions. And I was not, and it was not because of the sex work, but I was just not dealing with my emotions very well. I was doing the, I came from a background of like, you, you don't, get hysterical you don't show a lot of feelings you don't it's uh it's weak a lot of the time uh and uh my ex-husband uh grew up that way as well so you just you know kept stuff inside you dealt with it internally and uh it wasn't yeah that wasn't good for me at all and uh it's probably one of the reasons I felt like I couldn't go on after a while I also was getting older I was like a year from turning 30 mm-hmm. and I and it's uh there is a lot of um prejudice against like the older you get there's more prejudice in in many work fields uh so I was like well I'm getting older and you know my mental health is starting to decline and I can't put on a show like I like I used to I can't be that giggly like the, the giggly black anime girl uh, so I was like, maybe it's just time to do something else. And I was also in school at that time. So I retired and I finished my, uh, paralegal degree and I'm in like a, a gray space where I've just took a year off to do art. And that's been great for me. I went to, th- uh, about 2017, I started going to therapy and that was amazing. And they were like, at the very beginning, they were like, feelings are good. And I was like, liar. <laughs> <laughs> And now I'm like, yeah, feelings are good and annoying, but good. Has <laughs> she, because um, I'm surprised, you know, well, let's go back just a little bit in that, you know, growing up as an adopted kid, mm-hmm. were you the only adopted kid your parents had? Yes. Okay. And so your brother is their biological right. yeah. sh- son. Mm-hmm. Was there tension between that uh, or was that smooth? 
not because I was adopted, but he was more like, he was like golden boy. He always got like the attention. He was really athletic. He had great grades. And I was like artistic and kind of like, I was like happy, but like a little bit sulky too. And I was like, you don't understand me, mom, dad. They're all like engineers. <laughs> so they're very analytical. They don't, right. they're not in their feelings at all. No. Here you are, you're an introvert, melancholy. You yeah. feel all the things. Drake is your favorite <laughs> artist. <No. laughs> <laughs> Alanis <Elena's> more stuff. <laughs> you like rainy days. The yeah. outside matches my wear, inside. I wear my yeah. sunglasses at night. Yeah. <laughs> used to wear like all black and my brother's uh ex-wife told me that she's like you're so morbid your hair's black your clothes are black can we put you in color I'm like I do it sometimes now I'm wearing yellow today right right, right. Uh, my friend uh I won't say her name on it but uh she was like can you wear yellow more I like it a lot you look great <laughs> thank you, you. yeah it's dark yellow it's yellow. <laughs> You're like I'm like I'm not giving in so easy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not wearing <laughs> pure yellow, but I am gonna. I'll wear like a gold, like muted down yellow. It's fine. Even my green is is muted down. <laughs> it's it's true though. Like colors make a difference in how mm -hmm. uh, you feel. I, right. I I usually wear dark colors too, mm -hmm. and I remember. One time I wore red socks. You know how like socks were the thing, and everybody had the cool funky socks. So I, I was like, like my my buddy gave <laughs> me some some funky socks, and I put them on, and my clients flipped out. They were like, "What are these red? What are you doing? What's going on down there?" Like, like it was like such a change and talking about changing. Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 you know, I was like, I broke the consistency, the you image. Get some flamingo socks. Yeah, they were like, "What does this mean for us? Are you leaving us? Like, why?" <laughs> like, <they're laughs> so our world uh, is so different now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I'm a regular here at uh, Goth Nights mm -hmm. on Wednesday, and uh, I, I love my black clothes. They make, they do make me happy, but like. I have like some colored clothes and uh, someone walked into my closet at one point and they were like, you have like a lot more colors in your closet than I would have thought <laughs> seeing you out in the world. But uh, they, uh, for me, kind of like break it up a little bit. Right. So like this yellow shirt, I'm everything else I'm wearing is very dark, but like this yeah. yellow shirt, it's breaking everything up for me right now. So I'm just like, oh yeah, black, 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 yellow. <laughs> yeah, because then people even notice that even more on you because yeah. they're used to seeing you a certain way and then yeah. you just pop. And then you even, f it, it's, it's such a great way to change your mood mm -hmm. because, uh, like, I, I wear sweats a lot of the times because I'm training. And then when I put on, like, real clothes, I'm like, it's almost like I'm putting on armor, like, oh, right. yeah, check me out, you know? It's enough of a breakup in my routine to just be like, I got a little extra kick right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are some of the the tools and and strategies and, and things that you're that you've learned in therapy that, oh, yeah. <laughs> that uh, or you know, even if it's just one or two things, you know, in terms of uh, when you are all up in your feelings and you're like, right. Uh, so. I have been going for about two years, and uh, it's not just solo therapy. I've done a, a DBT group. Uh, DBT? Um, just, uh, Dialectal Behavioral yes. Therapy? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I did that. One of the things that I learned in that is that you need to feel your feelings. That they say it as feel your feelings coming on like a wave and then just release it like that. And they want to put that visual idea into your head that, like, this feeling is, is coming. It's going to hit you. And then it's going to go away. It's going to go back into 
like the ocean of your brain and it's it's not going to be here forever you and you have to let it go because sometimes we do like and especially me I'll listen to sad me I'll be like I'm <laughs> sad right now I'm gonna listen to five hours of sad music and fuck up my entire week we double down on a sad don't we yeah I'm like I would be like, oh no, I'm a happy person. I don't, I don't like to feel sad. But then I feel sad, and I'm like, this is all mine. No, nope. mm, I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> but, but you know what? We do the same thing with our 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 happiness and our joys. Right. Like, when I'm feeling really good, I'm like, and I will have another shot of espresso. Yeah. It's like I don't even it need much. it. I slept eight yeah. hours. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm um, I'm thriving. I'm hydrated. But I'm like more. Yeah. Boost and. It's not gonna last forever. And, and then you and you're actually like making yourself crash harder. You're oh, like, yeah. oh, well, that felt great. So let me do it again. But now I've done it again, and it feels not great. Yeah, kind of yeah. messed up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really about like channeling that anger or not anger, but that energy of. <laughs> Uh, I feel like that was a really good shot. He I took, feel like, like it did was. Did you pose? Did you pose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's me looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was thinking about how many times I have touched this mic with my hand. <laughs> oh, uh, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, get it. It's clean and everything. Are your hands clean? Everything's clean? Uh-oh. Sure, yes. Yeah, sure, yeah. As clean as they can be after touching my steering wheel. <laughs> I know. I, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to clean my steering wheel more often. Like, I'm cleaning everything else. Oh, yeah, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Even my laptop. I cleaned my laptop the other day, yeah. and I looked at the, the wipe, and I was Ooh. like, oh, my God. Like, what have I been? <laughs> I cleaned my phone the other day. That's uh, that's scary. That is Think scary. about it. All clean. the places you sit your phone down. <laughs> Whoever listens to this, clean your phone right now. Do yeah, it right now. Right now. <laughs> I, we, we need a phone condoms. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> I read this thing that was like they actually found like a lot of feces on phones because people are using Come them in the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> you gotta clean your phone. Come on. <laughs> because when you flush the toilet, it goes. Cool. It does. Yeah, it launches it into the air. Yeah, you have to close the lid, and that's like they also don't recommend leaving your toothbrush like right near the toilet right. because as soon as you flush it, it explodes and everything comes out. And you just can't see it. It's on you. It's on your toothbrush. <laughs> it's everywhere. Ah. <laughs> yeah, imagine me in a cam room now. Like, I'm this energy. I'm going to wipe down so camming. many things after this. <laughs> uh, so, now that I'm thinking about it, having, you have, is it two daughters? Yes. Okay, eight and nine. They're about to turn eight and nine. Yes. And then, have you, are they aware of what your what your work has been and what you're doing and not yet okay. we've just started like all the discussions about what sex is and like what they're like what's up with their bodies what's going to happen to their bodies uh gender identity we've started talking about that so uh it's not a thing that i'm going to keep from them it's just a conversation that belongs a little further down like as we evolve in our conversations about sex like I really want them to have a pretty substantial uh sex education before they get into like junior high right I want them to know that because when I was in junior high like blowjobs were a thing sixth grade <laughs> oh yeah the uh the uh what was it, what are they called the rainbow gang where the no. girls <laughs> ate 
had sucked on different colored yeah. lollipops. Yeah. Oh, there's that, and there's like the lipstick thing. The, yeah, and then yeah. there was like uh, bracelets. I think bracelets was like a thing when I was in junior high. Like how junior m- high was <laughs> it was turned. Up. Yeah, junior high was crazy. And I went to a Catholic <laughs> school too. It was extra crazy. <laughs> I should. <laughs> Everybody should be in jail. I know. <laughs> Everyone now. should be in Everybody jail. Everybody should be in jail. Yeah. I remember being in like high school and like I dated like a 27 year old dude. And I look back on that now. I'm, I'm 30. I look back on that now. I'm like, he should be in jail. Yeah. That yeah. was weird. I just had another friend <laughs> tell me that. When she, when she was uh, uh, a teenager, uh-huh. her boyfriend was in his 20s. And yeah. she was like, but at the time, in her head, she was just like, I'm in love, and I do whatever. Yeah, I and then like, now she's like, what the? I just thought I was cool, because, like, I was 16, and I had a job, and I had a car, and I, I had a 27-year-old boyfriend, and I was like, look at me now. And then I'm like, no, that's not cool. Mm-mm. <laughs> that is unacceptable for anybody who's listening. Yeah. If you're 27, don't date a 16-year-old. My it's mom gross. was very cool about... Uh, talking about anything mm-hmm. in the house especially when it came to sex we actually had sex education books so it, uh, or it was just uh discussing sex uh anatomically like you know right. just labeling the body parts and uh, discussing menstruation and mm-hmm. labia and areola like yeah it was just all very technical but it was all but it was nude photos and mm-hmm. it was like this erotic technical and uh, it was just it wasn't a big deal, yeah. you know. And I never thought it was a big deal. If you, so I think as a parent, if you make it not a big deal, if you make it a normal thing, they're gonna like roll their eyes at you and be like, Ugh, "Mom, Ugh, Dad, stop, gross." But like, if you make it not a big deal, then later on, because like my parents didn't talk to me about anything. I didn't find out. I was very confused. I didn't find out anything until like after high school. And if you make it a normal thing like you might yeah you don't, you don't want them to go out there and just like jump into stuff that you f- you feel like they're too young for and like you were too young for but no one said anything to you but like just telling them not to do it is not enough right. in fact you're i think you're pushing them the other direction if you do that because like, mom said not to do it why yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you, you planted the seed now you planted <laughs> the, the, the the visualization and the yeah, idea but you didn't give them the reason it. not to do right, it and you right. didn't give them the reason that they under like that they can understand on their level not to do it yeah it's like okay then and then they do it once and they're like oh that feels great why would they tell me not to do this thing that feels great and then they don't know until there's consequences and maybe they don't get consequences but like a lot of people do I think, yeah, I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. Is like instead of telling your kids what not to do, just always encourage your kids to talk to you about anything that makes them feel uncomfortable or hurt or bothered Mm -hmm. or that they're curious about. That's that's what you really want. It's not about controlling their actions. It's about making sure that there's an open line of communication so that it doesn't get out of hand. And it's not like you're not by having this open communication, you're not saying, hey, go have sex. Go do it. That's not, you're not, that's not what you're saying. It. What right. you're saying is I want you to be prepared because you're going out there into a world because junior high, high school, elementary school, they are their own world. Oh, yeah, they yeah. are not, they're already out there in the world once they go to school. They're not sheltered and in home anymore. 
and you need to give them the tools to go into that world and be like, I can handle this. And if I can't handle this, if I, if I air quotes mess up, I can tell my mom or I can tell my dad or I can tell my moms and my dads and you know whoever is at home, my uncle, I, this happened. And let's talk about it. Right. Um, was there any history of sexual abuse? For me? Yeah. 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 I think uh, I think a lot of people have dealt with that. Uh, just going out there and uh, having this. I think I have this personality. People want to tell me stuff. So, uh, or maybe they see it. I feel like maybe sometimes people they sense things in other people, and they're like. You are someone that I can tell this thing to. And going out there and being able to talk to a lot of people, I've found that it's actually more the norm. Like Oh, it's yeah. A large percentage. I just read a stat that um seventy percent of people who are obese have been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. Men and women. Mm -hmm. And uh I think like one in four people have been have a history of sexual abuse, and I think or one in four women have been sexually abused, and I think one in five or one in six men have been sexually abused. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a high number right. on both sides, and I, I just bring that up because there's so much talk about we me and my boys were talking about food and diet and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but. You can you can count the calories and track all the the micros and your macros, but if there's a, an emotional, if there's a, some unresolved conflict right. uh, it, that you're not dealing with, you're not talking to somebody with, um, you're, you're gonna keep falling back into those same addictive patterns and habits. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, how if if you don't care to share what age did it so from 9 to 13 okay uh was the first time someone you knew yes okay yes uh and like so many stories out there i've i've i, w I don't want to say collected but i've heard a lot of stories this that that is it's normal it's normal for people to uh well not normal i don't want to say I don't want to use that word. It's consistently someone who is constantly around. Uh, a lot of the stories I've heard is like, it's someone you trusted. It's someone that was there for you, someone that was there all the time. And that is, that's my story. That And that story is a lot of people's stories. And that was the first time. And then... I, and this is something that I heard in therapy, um, my past therapist, I have a new one now, uh, but she said, sometimes when something terrible happens to us, we are trying to heal, and during that healing process, we present as being vulnerable. Uh, and some people might say, like, we present as looking like a victim and that is attractive to predators. So if you are hurt by someone once or multiple times or continuously through years and then it stops and then you're trying to heal, you 
have this vulnerability that is attractive to other people that are like that. And sometimes that means that you don't get the healing that you need. You get attacked over and over and over. And like she ended it with, it's, it's not fair. You deserve that time to heal. Nobody deserves to be repeatedly victimized, but this is the cycle that happens for a lot of people it's that this happened to me and I'm not over it and I I need to I haven't gotten through it and now something else is happening because they could see it I looked like I looked like a mark you know it's uh like the essentially the concept of like if you get mugged and you're walking through the streets and you look and you're looking over your shoulder because you're scared because you've been mugged before they're like oh you have something I want. I'm going to take that from you. And so the healing journey then has been therapy? Yes. Uh, therapy and also building a, a group of people around me that I felt like I could trust because I wasn't very trusting of people. And uh, I did a lot of things to try to escape. And that got me into, I have like a, it got me into a lot of situations where I rushed to like be part of something else so that I could get away from that and it got me into more trouble. I didn't I was vulnerable with people that I shouldn't have been vulnerable with and I pushed people away that maybe I shouldn't have pushed them away. I, I'll never know if uh, if they could have helped me or not at that point but now, uh, in my late 20s and now I'm 30, I have built up, uh, like, it's, it's a small group, but that's really all you need, is you need a small group of people that really cares about you enough to be like, hey, get away from her, <laughs> or, like, are you okay today? Or, like, hey, the way this person's treating you, it's not good. Like, and before, before I met these people, it, and it started with my partner. Uh, six years ago, I, I didn't really have anyone. I had like one person. And he was going through all of his stuff too. He was like one of my best friends. And he was, we were just damaged people together. And we couldn't really help each other. But we were there consistently. And then I met my partner. And he was like, you're kind of like this amazing person. And you really don't need to put up with other people's shit. And you don't need to cover for people that are hurting you. And you don't need to take shit from people. And he's like, and honestly, I get this energy. Like, you could do anything you wanted to do. And he was just so, he would deny this. He would be like, no, I was burnt out. I was tired. But he was so vibrant. And he was so confident. And he was so supportive that I was just like, you, the kind of person that you are, I want that. I want to be that. So I think I kind of like looked up to him and through him I met like other amazing people that were like they had shit that they went through. They'd they'd been vulnerable at the wrong times with people. People had victimized them but they were learning and they were healing and they were trying to like make new lives for themselves and now I have like this tiny little community of like we've all been through shit and we're all trying to have something better and we're like protecting each other. 
and we can't always protect each other, but when we can't, we're there for each other when something does happen. Like one person in my community, she lives in Scotland, but she messages me every day. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) How how did you meet then? Uh, She was here taking care of her mother. Uh Yeah. I would love, I found out my grandfather's from Scotland. Yeah. And I'd love to go to Scotland. I want to go too. So. Oh yeah, you got a friend. You got a free place to stay. Why wouldn't you go? The plane tickets. The. I don't know if she's gonna let me stay. <laughs> I'm gonna try to like slip it in there and be like, "Can I crash on your couch?" <laughs> I, oh my god. Um, but that, but that's so. You, you go into therapy. Mm-hmm. You have a group. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to come back to the question: Are there, are there anything? Is there anything that the therapist is? Uh, any strategies or tools in terms of handling your emotions? Uh? Our favorite word in therapy right now is boundaries. Okay. Uh, so it's not so much. A year ago, it was we're talking about feelings and how feelings are good, and we're going to DBT and we're talking about like how to handle that. Don't hold on to them. Uh, just there is this thing that they used to say about how uh, your feelings are valid but they're not necessarily true. Okay. Uh, so if if you step on my foot and now I'm angry at you because you stepped on my foot, that's a valid emotion. Anger, right. Yes. But like the idea that like you did it on purpose or that like you did it to be malicious, that's not necessarily the true. The story behind Yeah, your that's emotion. not necessarily right. the story. Like do your feelings deserve to be acknowledged and uh, as like something valid? Yes. Are your feelings true? Are they the absolute truth that encompasses the universe and everyone has to abide by? No. Right. That is so powerful because I'm just now in this space where I'm realizing like uh, all emotions are just, like you said, uh, waves mm-hmm. or sandstorms, and they're not to be judged, whether it's anger or joy. Uh, I have a, a buddy, and he's always excited about everything. He's like, aren't yeah. you excited? And to me, one of the most dangerous emotions is excitement. Right. Because I, I don't know how to handle it. Like, too much excitement, like I shut down. I'm yeah. like, it's like pouring water on a robot. I'm like, I'm excited. Ah! And then yeah. I just, like, pass out. Like, I get too <laughs> excited about stuff. So then I just don't even experience excitement and I was talking to a, uh, a friend of mine who's a therapist and she was like you have to find a way to enjoy being excited mm-hmm. because if you're shutting down one emotion you're shutting down all emotions and so um, and I was like wow I never thought about it like that I was just like no I'll just shut down excitement everything else can yeah everything else like, is fine no you she's <laughs> like you're doing that with everything else then I was like Okay, I'll feel excitement, but like I'm afraid of feeling too excited because then yeah. I'm like, I get, I get, I'm like, ah, all right, you know, it's like, and then yeah. I'm not thinking clearly. And uh, so you're right, it's like all emotions are emotions. And um, are you, have you been taking any meds? So I used to take medication. I might take, uh, well, when I was deep down in it, I've had uh, several suicide attempts okay. spaced out over the years. Uh-huh. Uh, and after my last one, it was in 2017, we went to the hospital. Uh, I was already on medication when I tried to, uh, overdose on pain medication. Uh, but I had just started and they have to build up in your system and they were trying to regulate me and get me on a, uh, a more even and a higher, uh, 
operation mode. And I went to the hospital and they put me on more meds to kind of like help the original meds while they're working, while they're building up in my system. They gave me another dose to try to like assist. And then I was on uh, medication for nightmares, which I can't take now because I have a very low um, blood pressure, I think it is. And if you have low blood pressure, you can't uh, take those meds because they'll put you under, even if you're healthy, if your blood pressure is at a certain limit, then you, yeah. you'll you go under it, right. and then you won't be healthy anymore. Uh, and I associated those medications with being at my lowest, being, I turned, uh, I had one of my birthdays, I couldn't be with my daughters because I was in the hospital, uh, and I associated those meds with that. And eventually, I kind of just, like, weaned off of them, and, you know, it was good for a while. And I've really, like, elevated away from – I always think of it as, like, the chart that my therapist used to have. She would show it to me, and it, you know, would have the uh, the peaks and the valleys, and I always think of it as that. So I I always, like, draw a line of, like, you know, this is the line of, like, you're not depressed above this line, and you're – you know, maybe a little depressed under the line and then like way below the line, there's like that part where you're like, well, maybe I just shouldn't be here anymore. And I was down there when I was taking medications. Uh, and now I always say that I'm like, because uh, they have classified me as having a major depressive disorder. And so I always say I'm like, I'm here and I'm going like this. Right. And it was just uh, suggested to me that maybe I would do well on medication, like the the same types of medication when I'm doing much better. Because they're like, there's a huge difference between me- being on medication when we're just trying to save your life right. and being on medication just to stable, like... Stabilize you. Yeah, yeah, just so you don't have that... You don't have that bouncing up and down. You don't have to be on a roller coaster continuously, even if it is like a kitty roller coaster. Even if I'm just going up a little, down a little, up a little, down a little, it messes with you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah, I found so much uh, value in meditation mm-hmm. uh, of just like, oh, I don't have to be excited right. or high or low. Meditation just kind of levels me out. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, I can be here. I can exist here. And it's just it's it's just reaffirming that uh, that when my stuff does get when I do get a little up too high or too low, that I have a place I can come back to, right. and it's always available to me, and I don't have to uh, call a doctor, and you know, it's like oh, I could meditate right now. I do uh, my own version of meditation because I found that uh, when I was in group and then when I was in the hospital, I would do I would try to do meditation. I would try to listen to the tapes. It was one of the group sessions there that they would do. And I would be in my head and I'd be like, I have so much anxiety trying to do these breathing exercises. So my own version of meditation, (laughs) which is. I sit in my car, I stare off into the distance, and I listen to music, and not sad music. I listen to anything that I know is not going to make me think about a certain thing. Like, if I'm sad about someone, like I'm sad about a girl or a boy or whoever, then no no breakup songs, (laughs) no love songs. You don't, don't double to that. down on the yeah. emotion, <laughs> which is what, yeah, I think that's where I've gone wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, citizen cope, please. 
does. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. It's so much trouble. Yeah, it's not. Coffee Listen house to guitar sideways. music. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, side. Oh, man. It's a wrap. <laughs> my uh, my entire month is over. If you put that song oh, on, I'll man. just go die. Oh. It, 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 all the feelings. It's a wrap. You're done. Yeah. Are you reading anything right now? Am I reading anything? I just finished the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Oh, I heard it's great. It's great. It's so great. It's right? illustrated. Did you read it? <laughs> yes. Oh my. Oh. I really want to do the Gray Lady. Uh, oh yeah. And she like rides a horse, and she's like in this gray gown, and I think she's like representative of death, and I really want to want to do that. All and right, people all are right. like. I'm happy that I'm in a community now where I'm like I can make like death jokes and I can <laughs> I can do like death cosplay and they're not like right. I know you have a history of this are you gonna yeah. I'm like no I'm just I'm letting it out I'm expressing right. it in a different way like it's a healthy way. <laughs> yeah I'm not suicidal because I'm making a joke about it if anything that joke might actually be helping me right Absolutely. now. <laughs> There's a, there's a guy on uh, YouTube, he's an old philosopher from like the th 30s or 40s, Dr. Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. And he says that, and even Steve Jobs said this, that we should all, on a daily basis, contemplate death. Right. And not death in terms of killing ourselves or taking our life, but death in terms of, uh, uh, there's a f I only have so much time here on this right. earth. What do I want to do with it? And it's also a reminder that, like you said, you aren't going to be here forever. So your emotions aren't going to be here forever mm -hmm. either. Like everything comes to an end. Yeah. And I the think if you keep sure that in perspective. Death. Yeah. yeah. That the, what your pain, your fear, your anxieties, your like that's that wave mm -hmm. is going to die soon. It's yeah. going to die. It'll, it's going to come back. It's going to recede. It yeah, might yeah. come back. But it might be smaller. It might, it might be, be bigger. Smaller. Yeah. It might be a tidal wave. Right. <laughs> and it, and, and Hold your breath. And, and, right. And it depends <laughs> on your environment, too, right? In Hawaii, they got big waves. Yeah. So maybe where you work at is causing these huge waves. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the circle of friends who are causing these massive waves. Maybe and if you go out somewhere where there's just yeah. lakes, it's calm for the most part, you know? Maybe it's the stress you put on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, and yeah, and we're talking about, when we're talking about environment, we're not saying like, oh, leave your state that you're in and you'll be fine. It'll fix everything. We're saying the environment which you continuously participate in and the environment inside of yourself. Right. So the things that you are drawn to uh, externally and the things that you feel and have going on inside all of the time and the way you the way you treat yourself, honestly, like take—it's not selfish to take care of yourself. Right. Uh, yeah, or just go in your car and sing your heart out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. loud. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So loud. Turn the music you up. Should hear my Indiari. <laughs> I'll yell that. Mm, so good. <laughs> uh, M, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Before You Kill Yourself. I always feel like there's one person out there who's listening who may be on the precipice mm -hmm. of taking their life, and we understand you're not a therapist, but what would you say to that person? Man. Oh, it's going to sound weird, but uh, I'd say let's go get coffee, because if mm. you can make it through coffee, then you can make it to lunch, and if you can make it to lunch, you can make it to dinner, and if you can make it to dinner, you can go to sleep and make it to breakfast, and eventually it's not I'm just making it to the next thing. I'm making it. That is the best response I've had to that question. Let's go get coffee. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
Thank you for being here with us. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get therapy or just making the 1-800-SUICIDE-NUMBER phone call or uh, LGB, the Trevor Project. You can talk. You can text. Call your mama. Talk to a stranger. Get a bullhorn. I bought a bullhorn. And I keep it in my car, and I yell at people from my car. It's so much fun to just be like, you're moving too slow. Uh, Have fun. Do not bottle it up. Express it. Release it, whether it's through art, whether it's through singing, whether it's through dancing. Let your emotions, let your voice be heard. We'll talk to you soon.